You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. Today we're starting a brand new series. If last week we're on series break, on the previous week, we concluded our previous series, Tayo. Now we're having a new series and this will last for three weeks, basically. This will lead up to the Holy Week as well. So for our new series, we have, it's called, Of First Importance. Of First Importance or Pinaka-Importante. And basically for this series, our goal is to have a deeper understanding of the importance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in our lives. So we'll take a closer look of the importance of Jesus being crucified, His death, His burial, His resurrection. Why those things still matter to us or why those things are important to us. Even 2,000 years later after that, important talk about and to understand Jesus' death, burial, and of course, His resurrection. So all these things we'll talk about in the next coming weeks. And for today, can you read your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. So again, our main passage for this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. Now, even though this will be our main passage, I'll be looking into several other verses as well for this morning. But for our main passage, it'll be 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says there, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So as we just read a while ago, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. And again, this is the New Testament. It's basically one of Paul's letters or epistles. And Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church to address certain problems. There, there were many. There was division in the church. There was sexual immorality. There were all sorts of problems, including problems of misunderstanding key Christian doctrines. And so Paul wrote this, especially in an attempt to restore the Corinthian church to its foundation, which is, of course, Jesus Christ. Now for chapter 15, we'll talk about basically, again, the gospel. As we see it here in verse 1, it says there, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, in which you stand. Now that word gospel right there, church, means good news. It literally means good news. It can mean many things, but the core of it, it's good news. That's important because as we look into or unpack the verses that we'll talk about, I want us to have that lens, that what we will talk about is good news. Now that's important, again, because when you hear good news, what's your typical response when you hear good news? What's your reaction in you? Happy, Malipay mo. Anyone here bang magul mo good news? Magsad mo, magweep mo. Of course not. I mean, you cry tears of joy, yes. But dili ka depressed or masad ka. But you will be joyful. You become happy, basically. For instance, if someone tells you, humana ang pandemic, dinatao ka lang mag-face mask. Wala na. How many of you would be joyful about that? Maybe back to normal na, 100% normal na. We would all rejoice in that. If someone told you, hey, nigamay ng gas prices. How many of you would be happy about that? Diba? Malipay, tanan-tanan. So many things. End of the war in Europe. New establishments in our city. Well, if you are if your friends get married, yeah, deba, We would rejoice of these things. We would be happy. And the same thing here. What we are talking about today is good news. I want us to get that. Right? We are talking about good news today. Also, since it's news, what we're talking about is not insightful teaching lang or good advice. It's not a matter of opinions or fairy tales. We're talking about things that have happened. Factual things. These are real historical events. Kaya ang news nga siya. Naitabo siya. These things have happened before in the past. It's important for us to understand what it is. Now Paul writes, no, he has good news and he preached this good news to the Corinthian church. 
which they received and which they stood. So the question now is, what is this good news all about? That we should learn, we should know about, and we should be joyful. We should be thankful of hearing this news. And for that, let's go straight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. So in verse 3 says there, Paul says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive. So Paul says, no nga, akong gideliver ni. He didn't make this stuff up. Paul didn't say, no nga, I made this, I contemplated about it, and I formulated it, and I finally wrote it down, and I preached it to you. No, he delivered what he also received. And what he delivered, what he received, was of first importance. When you say first importance, it means the most important. Meaning what Paul had to tell the Corinthian church when he planted the church was the most important thing he had to tell them. And in Christianity, in the things of God, there are many important things. Our Bible reading, our worship, fellowship, coming here every Sunday, those things are important. But Paul says that he told them, he delivered what was most important, of first importance. Now what is this thing that is of such importance? Ngamoni basically ang center aning good news. This is the core of the good news that Paul told them. This thing is of most importance. So on sabi niya, in verse 3 as well, it says here what? That, did Paul say na you will not experience many problems? Did Paul say na God will make you rich? God will make you a millionaire? No. It says there, I deliver to you of first importance, but I also receive. Paul says, that Christ died. Wait, no muna. Ngayon si Paul, good news. Diba? I have good news. I, I deliver to you guys good news. I preach good news to you. But ang good news niya, it starts with this, that Christ died. How many of you, if you take that at face value, without you know, researching, reading further, you'd think na, nga naman good news. <laughs> if someone died, that wouldn't be good news. On a normal, ordinary day, if it was your family member, your friend, or kaila sa friend nimo, if, if you scroll for your timeline, you'd feel sad. Magul ka if you heard of people who died. And yet, here we have it. Good news. Ngayon si Paul. Muni ang first importance. Muni pinakaportante giingon ni Paul. We have here the death of Jesus Christ at the center of this good news, of this gospel. So for us to understand how can this be good news, we will look at two important questions. Or we will try to answer two important questions basically. Firstly, how did he die? And secondly, why did he die? Para makabalutan, nga naman good news? Nga naman malipay ta? Nga naman tayo si Jesus? Or why should we be grateful that he died? Let's answer these two questions. So firstly, how did Jesus die? This is important to answer. Because how a person dies can also be a source of encouragement and inspiration. Take for example, our men and women in uniform, right? like firefighters, soldiers, our policemen, if they die in the line of duty, it can be a store of encouragement or great inspiration. But take for example, when 9-11 happened, when the planes crashed in the building, when people were trying to run away or get away from the building, firemen or firefighters were walking up the building trying to rescue as many people as possible. Many of them died, burned, they weren't able to breathe. Or you know, they died along as the building crushed or natumbang building. There have been many unnamed soldiers or policemen who died in the line of duty protecting people wherever in a nation. And so when we look at here, you know, how a person's death happened is of strong importance. We've had martyrs throughout history as well who died for noble causes and who became great inspirations as well. 
So let's look at Jesus' death. But how did Jesus die? Especially if you're here for the first time, perhaps you don't know, or perhaps you you know how Jesus died. We grew up in a religious culture in the Philippines, but you don't really know why or the significance of how he died. So let's take a look at that. Let's look at Jesus' death. How did he die? When we talk about Jesus' death, he basically died the most cruel, most humiliating form of capital punishment that was given only to the most hated, vile, or ruthless criminals of their time. And I'm talking about crucifixion. Let me just go straight to Mark 15, verse 15. It says here, Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be what? To be crucified. This was his sentence. If Jesus was in a court, and they would sentence him to his punishment, whatever, kung sa atuwa, o sa itong capital punishments of Philippines before? Saman? Lethal injection. In some countries, it's hanging or gunshot, whatever the lethal or capital punishment may be. In their time, sa Roman times, because they were under the Roman Empire this time, the capital punishment was crucifixion. This is the worst kind of death that you could experience as a person. And it was reserved for the worst kinds of human beings. And in this death, it was designed to produce a slow death with the most pain and suffering one can experience as much as possible. Meaning, as long as you're alive while going for crucifixion, maka-experience ka sakit, suffering. I-prolong na nila as much as possible. I-barely alive ka until mamatay na ka. That is crucifixion. In this death, there's much suffering, humiliation, and death. Now, why humiliation? Well, firstly, when someone is crucified, they're not just brought straight to the cross or to the pole or sometimes more like tea. They're not just brought straight there and crucified and manana siya, tapos na siya. No. The Romans would do several things to prepare the person, the criminal per se, for him to be crucified. In Jesus' case, in Mark 15 verse 15, says here, not before he was delivered to be crucified, he was what? He was? He was scourged. Ano saan ang scourged ba? Meaning, giigo ang likod niya. Of course, every Holy Week, as Filipinos, we've seen people, di ba, beat their backs or hit their backs. Well, guess what? In the Roman times, mas worse pa na ang actual. Mas worse pa ang actual na experience ni Jesus. When you say to be scourged or to be flogged, it means to tear open the person's back using different kinds of methods or ways. The most common one is the Roman scourge or a flag room. Ito na whip. And at the ends of those whips, You have uh, bulbs, metal parts, bones, thorns, different variations. But the goal is the same, to inflict as much damage, pain, suffering, wounds on a person's back as much as possible without killing him. Hindi pa makapat yun. Sa cross pa makapat yun. Sa crucifixion pa makapat yun. So you'll experience torture, basically. And you won't just get wounded. Dili lang masamad yung likod. Dili lang mabunol. Flesh will come off from your back. Because of these things, as the soldiers would repeatedly scourge or flog your back. And not just that, during this time when Jesus was scourged, in Mark 15, verse 17 to 19, it says here, known that after he was scourged, they clothed him in a purple cloak, twisting together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed, spitting on him, kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him, and he led them out to crucify him. In this passage alone, we see Christ, he was stripped, he was spat, and he was struck. Again, crucifixion is the worst kind of death that you will experience. You won't just die. You won't just experience pain, but you will also be humiliated. 
here in this passage, we see Jesus being mocked, basically. They were treating him parang, oh, king of Jews, diba? Oh, king, here, here's a crown for you. A crown of thorns. Adili nito mga thorns nga kanang sasagbot lang nato, magagmahi. Ako matunok ta. Adili ka, we're talking of tagas ng thorns. This will cause blood loss because it was placed in his scalp, basically. He was spat, he was stripped. And guess what? Many people who were crucified, they were naked when they were crucified. In other words, it's designed to not just cause pain, but also humiliate the person. Because it's to tell the people, don't go against the empire or something like that. It's the worst kind of death. Now, as Jesus was led to his crucifixion, guess what? A person that is nailed to a cross. Let me just talk about how a person dies of crucifixion for a while. Of course, we know that person is nailed to a cross, right? siya. But here's the thing. When that nail hits you in the wrist, it severed the large median nerve. That nerve, kung na siya, it will produce excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both your arms. Because both arms mangangilansang nimo. In other words, Jesus was experiencing extreme pain. In fact, the word excruciating sa English language comes from the phrase of the cross. Enaka painful ang being crucified. Yet despite all of this pain and suffering, the most cruel part of crucifixion is that it is a slow death. Let me just show this. Mark 15, verses 25, 33 to 34, and 37. If you look at these verses, it says there, it was the third hour that what? The Jesus was crucified. And the third hour of the day, after he was scourged, flogged, he carried the cross, he was mocked, spat, ridiculed, stripped, then he was nailed to the cross and raised on the cross. He was crucified on the third hour. But guess what? In the sixth hour, wala pa siya namatay. It says here, darkness came over the whole land until what? Until the ninth hour. Jesus cried with a loud voice and in verse 37, he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. In other words, Jesus was on the cross for about six hours. Imagine being nailed to the cross for six hours. Your back has several wounds, nagakiskis out wood, your wrists and your feet are being nailed to the cross. That's the kind of pain that Jesus went through. And not just that, the worst part as well, sorry, not the worst part, but still, no, terrible part of being crucified is that there's a difficulty in breathing, basically. Remember, it's designed to torture. When Jesus was hanging there on the cross, lisod kay mugin hawa. He had to pull himself up just to breathe and then exhale na po siya. But for him to do that, guess what? Birhaw niya ang weight niya. And his hands were what? Wala biya, nakapahaway siya. Naka-nail biya ang wrist niya sa cross. In other words, just to breathe while being nailed to the cross is excruciating. It's very painful. Lifting the body for a breath also painfully scrapped the back against the rough wooden post. Each effort to get a proper breath was agonizing, exhausting, and would lead to a sooner death. And yet Jesus endured these things for six hours. Jesus suffered and died a painful and humiliating death. This is what we mean by being crucified or dying on a cross. This is how Jesus died. This is again not a myth. It's a historical fact. This happened. This is good news. Now again, you might ask, no many good news? If we just ended right here, talking about the death of Christ, he died, he suffered all of these things. So, ano many good news? Why is Paul saying that this is the most important thing he needed to preach or tell about the Corinthian church? Why is this of good news? And for that, we need to answer the second question. Why did he have to die? 
Jesus. I mentioned a while ago that crucifixion is reserved for the most hated, vile, ruthless criminals of their time. Picture the worst of humanity. Sayang deserving of the cross. But guess what? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm using the NLT here. says, For God made Christ. Who? What did Christ do? He never sinned. We've all done that. As young as we are. Diba? Kapalit mo mga babies. Mahalag cute sila. Kapalit mo maglay, mangitagway to get what they want. It comes out of us naturally. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. And yet, Jesus, He never sinned. So the question is, nga naman siya na-crucify if He never sinned? If He didn't do anything wrong? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. It says here, that Christ died, and for what? For? For our sins. Let that sink in. Whether you're here, and you're hearing it for the first time, or you've heard this for the second, third, or nth time, Christ died for our sins. It didn't say there that Christ died for Israel's sins, or Christ died for the sins of their religious leaders, or for the Roman sins, no, Christ died for our sins. Paul was telling this to the Corinthian church, and directly, and by extension, us as well. People, he died for our sins. It's easy for us to get angry with the Romans for crucifying Jesus, for the people who falsely accused him, arrested him, among our religious leaders. But think about this. He's there on the cross. He died on the cross because of what? Because of our sins. For our sins. We are the reason that he is crucified on the cross. Now why did he have to die for us? Why did he have to do it? What is the significance? Or what do we mean when you say he died on the cross for our sins? Because when I was younger, I never really understood the weight, the gravity of Jesus' death on the cross. I used to think na, okay, Jesus died for me. Okay, God loves me. Jesus loves me. Ah, okay. Thank you, Lord. It's like parang mga heroes na to, like Rizal or other national heroes. They love their country. They died for our country. And we appreciate them and we honor them for that. That's how I understood before. But there's more to that fact. Jesus' death is unlike any other martyr's death. It's unlike any other person's death who died for a noble cause. Important yang death niya. Now, if we want to properly appreciate, and not just that, but respond to the death of Christ, we need to learn why He specifically, and not just any person, had to take our place on that cross and die for our sins and take the penalty, the punishment for our sins. And for that, we need to go all the way back, throw back Munata, all the way back to the story of creation. And that is right after the creation world as well. That is during the fall. So for that, let's go back to the fall in Genesis. In Genesis, see basically the story of Adam and Eve. Familiar God created the heavens and the earth. God created the beasts, the plants. He created the world and all these things. And then he created Adam and Eve. He created us, human beings. You can read it in the book of Genesis. So he created us. But in Genesis chapter 3, man sinned against God. God told them specifically, no, don't eat of the fruit of this tree or else you will surely die. God especially told Adam not to do so. And yet, Eve, being tempted by the serpent, led her husband as well to eat of the fruit. Both of them ate of the fruit. Even if Adam So they sinned against God and because of that, sin entered into the world and they were cast out from the Garden of Eden. Romans 5.19 says, Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That is why we have a sinful nature. Through Adam and through Eve, 
when they sin against God, it corrupted all of creation. Man now has a, has a sinful nature. Instead of reflecting the image of God, tainted na ang image of God in them. Now there's sin in them. That is why it's so much easier for us to sin than to do good. Nakabantay mo? Diba kung magbinugoy lang ta, if we do something evil, it's so easy to do it. But if we want to do something good, something right, something that honors God, it requires more effort, isn't it? That's because of our sinful nature. Now, to top it off pa, the worst part of sin entering this world, if you're wondering, what's oh, my big deal? Sin entered this world, so what? Romans 3.23 and 6.23 tells us that. Firstly, again, Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning, all of us, all of us are guilty of sin. There's not one person out there who can tell me, you know what, Tom? I've never sinned since the day I was born. So, <laughs> Wala. Perfect kayo, Tom. Okay. Tanang classmates na ako, workmates na ako, sininga na ako, minun sila, bro, ikaw pinakabutang tao na, na meet na ako. It doesn't matter if people will say nga, butan ka. It doesn't matter if you say nga, I'm not like, you know, Hitler, or some terrorist, or some serial killer. It just says there's not sin entered into the world. It just says there's not all have fallen short and sin. In the eyes of God, there is no level 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of sin. Sa tempura na ah. Versus sin, wala na. All sin is the same in the eyes of God. So we're all guilty of sin. We're all in the same boat. Imagine if you're in a sinking ship. It doesn't matter if you're a VIP ang room ni mo or nasa na economy class ka. If mulubug ang barko, malubog buga. Patay buga. It's the same thing basically. And not just that. Romans 6.20 says, The wages of sin is death. The result of sin is that there's a terrifying part. But if you do something, if you work, you get a wage. You get something in compensation. Here, it says here that the wage that you receive when you sin is death. Not physical death, meaning if you sin, immediately mamatay ka, magkidlatan ka, mandili ka na. But spiritual death. Spiritual death is of greater significance because it means the separation of the soul from God. Being separated from God's goodness, His grace, His mercy. In other words, after we physically die, if the problem of sin would remain because of our sins, we would experience spiritual death. So we would continue for all of eternity being separated from the love, the kindness, the goodness, the mercy of God. In other words, we would be in hell. Munang terrifying thing because of our sins. In other words, no matter how hard you try to do good for God, no matter how many good works you do, even if you say, God, nabasa na akong Bible cover to cover every day since the Christian ko. Lord, I've never missed an entire service since the Christian go. Lord, I've given to the poor. I've given my tithes. No matter how many good deeds you do for God, if you base your righteousness, if you base nga, okay, Lord, nabide na ang sin na ako, based on your own good works, it will never be enough. We cannot pay the debt of our sin. Because again, those verses tell us we're all guilty of sin and the wages of sin is death. For as long as we sin, not na death, gap nga penalty. In other words, Without any intervention from God, matag natin yung utang nga sigig magtubo, nga never-ending, nga di na mabahiran. That's our situation. Munang status nato basically. And yet, when you go back to the story of Genesis, chapter 3, in the midst of the fall, yes, God casted out Adam and Eve, but after He confronted them of their sin, He also did something very important. And we might miss this significance as we usually quickly read Genesis chapter 3. But it says here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and what? Clothed them. Garments of skins and clothed them. 
Because before this, what Adam and Eve did was that they used leaves to cover themselves because of their shame. Right? They realized they were naked and they felt ashamed. Now the question is, where did the skins come from? Asanikikan garments of skins. Of course, from an animal. It doesn't refer specifically unsa. It's the matter. The point is, ikanik animal. Meaning, life, blood was shed in order to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And this is why Jesus had to die on a cross. When you look at Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says here, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for what? For your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Meaning, there is a cost or a payment to our sins. And that is life right here. In fact, in the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites to offer animal sacrifices to atone of their sins, or at least to cover their sins. Leviticus 16 verse 6 says here, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. That is why the Israelites, they would bring in animal sacrifices, sheep, goats, baka, Whatever animal they prescribe God, they would bring it to the temple. The priest would take those animals and offer it as a sacrifice. And the priest would do all sorts of things as well as sacrifices. And it was all instructed by God. Muniang requirement to cover their sins. Now the animal served as a substitute. That is, the animal died in the place, guess what, of the sinner. Man's sin was covered, but only temporarily. In other words, the sacrificial system could not last for all eternity. Temporary. Ra. And they needed to repeat the sacrifices over and over again. Dili once mo solve. Sige lang buhaton. It's like kung nakay tulo sa roof ninyo, nga kung dili mo ayog tarong ang ceiling or ang roof ninyo, mutulo ra gihapon na siya. If you do a patchwork job, dili nyo tarong mo fix the problem is still there. The same thing here. Hebrews 10 verse 1 and 4 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Meaning, these things cannot make someone fully righteous. Verse 4 says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to what? To take away sins. Maka covers like sins, but they cannot take away, they can remove your sins. Animal sacrifices were not the answer. And they were simply a foreshadowing of what was to come. And in Hebrews 9, verse 11 to 12, we see what's to come had arrived. In verse 11 says here, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater of more perfect than, in verse 12, he entered once for all into holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but guess what? By means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. In other words, if before in the Old Testament, the priest would offer goats, sheep, whatever, cow, as a sacrifice. But for Jesus, his sacrifice was his own blood, his own flesh. He himself became the sacrifice. That is why Jesus is referred to as what? The Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. He is the final perfect sacrifice needed to take away our sins. Christ's death replaced the endless animal sacrifices with one final perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And here, church, is the reason why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Because He needed to do it. 
is the reason why Jesus came to this world in the first place. This is why every Christmas we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Messiah. This is His reason for coming into this world. To save us from the penalty of our sins. To die on the cross for our sins. Muni ang reason. No one else could do it. Why? Because no one else was sinless. It was only He who was the Lamb of God. You see, when an animal had to be offered as a sacrifice at the temple, that animal had to be what? Quote-unquote perfect. Without blemish. Healthy. Dili lang basta kay, Uy, nai kabayo dali. Ito yung sacrifice. Uy, nai kanding. Piyang-piyang. Pasige na lang. Mukha na siya. Dili ka na. They would carefully inspect ang mga priests, the animals, to make sure it is the best possible quality. Well, guess what? Jesus was the best possible quality kind of sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God. He was sinless. And He died on the cross for our sins. In other words, church, to remind all of us, if you are a believer, Christ died on the cross to take away our sins. Because of your sins, He died on the cross. In dying for our sins as well, it also says there that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. We see this in verse 3 once again. You see, if we just read those verses in New Testament without looking deeper in the context, we might think na, uy, grabe ni mga Jewish leaders, mga Roman people, they got away with what they were scheming and planning. In Matthew 26 verse 3, we see that the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Nag-scheme sila nga, o si bato na ba para mapatay natin ni Jesus. Para mag-get-read natin siya. They had planned for all of these schemes to happen. And this led to Judas' betrayal, Jesus' arrest, his trial, and eventually his crucifixion. Now, if we just read that, we might think na the bad guys did it. They were able to accomplish their plan. But guess what? As we read this in verse 3, it says, no, Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. With the Word of God. Meaning, this was all part of God's plan. This wasn't some impulsive thing that happened. It's not like Jesus was there one day and it's like, okay, I'll just die for Anyway, I need to die for these people anyway and save them. Okay, let's do it. No. God was fully in control. God had a plan to save sinners. And we can read this basically in the Old Testament. There are several verses in the Old Testament that points to the coming of the Messiah, to the one who would come into this world and die on the cross for our sins. But I want to take some verses from the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapters 52 and 53, this talks about basically a figure known as the servant. The servant. Now, the servant was initially Israel, the nation of Israel. God called this nation as a means to rescue the entire world. But during this time, when Isaiah was prophesying, they were being pronounced judgment because of their sin. And eventually, Israel failed because they were in exile. We talked a lot about this in our previous weeks, uh, Haggai and Ezra. They were in exile. They were captive or captured by foreign nations. They were there. And yet God, being faithful to His covenant, still introduced a new servant from among them. He promised that the servant would come. Again, guess what? This is several centuries before the time of Jesus, before the time of the Romans. This time, Babylonians pa, ang key superpower. Some decades later, Persians. And then much later on, Greeks pa, and then Romans. Dugay pa kayo. This is centuries before all the things that happened in Jesus' time. But guess what? In Isaiah 52 verse 14, we see here, talking about the servant, that as many were astonished at you, his appearance, the servant's appearance, was so marred or disfigured beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. 
the servant's figure, his appearance was marred, disfigured. It was beyond the children of mankind. Now, kinsa ba atong ginestorian kanina? Who extreme suffering, pain, and humiliation. Who? Jesus. You see, Isaiah 52 and 53 talks about a servant who would suffer. It talks about the suffering servant. In fact, that same theme as well is repeated in the book of Mark. Mark talks about the suffering servant. And in Isaiah 53 verse 5 says here, But he was pierced, guess what? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was that chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What does the verse say? He was pierced, he was crushed for our transgressions and for our iniquities. Isaiah 53 verse 10 even says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 10 says, It was the will of the Lord to crush him. In other words, this whole thing about Jesus dying on the cross, this was fully God's plan. This was His salvation plan. This was all part of God's plan. Dilin siya like, yes, ang mga priests, ang mga Romans, they were the ones who executed it, but God being sovereign allowed it to happen. This was His plan all along. It wasn't the bad guys had a victory or something. No, Jesus' death on the cross is not a moment of defeat, but it's a moment of victory. God promised that these things would happen. He was faithful to make it happen. He promised a Messiah would come who would experience these things, to be pierced, to be crushed for our benefit. And again, and again for what? To save us from the penalty of our sins. This also tells us, church, of the severity or the gravity of all our sins. Meaning, dilik, kaya nato kita mag sa problems of sins nato. Kailangan ng Savior. Somebody needed to come in and rescue us and save us. And it is this suffering servant, Jesus, who died on the cross for you and for me. And all this was prophesied long before Jesus came into this world. And it shows us that God is fully in control. And that's why we should be grateful. We should be thankful that He allowed this to happen. Because if we didn't fulfill God, if He didn't intervene, if Jesus didn't went through with the crucifixion, He could say, I won't go through with this. And completely destroy His captors, being God Himself. And yet, He was obedient to the will of the Father. Even to what? Even to death on a cross. And what was the result? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2 says, And by which, that gospel, that good news, you are being saved, or you are saved. The good news about the gospel is that, Munihang saved nato. Not our good works. Not our good deeds. Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Salvation not just to an elite few. Salvation not just to some religious leaders. Ito mga dugay sa church. Ito mga quote-unquote mga just noon na tao. Perhaps you told yourself, But guess what? This is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek whether you're of Jewish descent or Gentile, meaning Jew, when you hear the gospel, when you receive the gospel, when you believe the gospel, when the gospel is preached to you, you are 
saved. This is what saves us, the gospel, the good news, what Jesus did for us, not our good works. Christ assured us of our eternity, forgiveness of our sins, restoration of our relationship with God. In fact, but the moment Jesus died on the cross, in the book of Mark, you can read this after you go home, but the curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies, only a high priest once a year to offer a sacrifice to atone the sins of the people, that curtain was torn into. I think it's a four or six inch thick curtain. About 40 to 60 feet high. Pagkaling kortina, hindi lang kortinas balay nato ng magisi lang himo. Dakoling kortina. That curtain, the moment Christ died on the cross, that curtain was torn into from the top down. And it signified what Jesus did for us that he restored, repaired man's relationship with God. And so now, hearing all of these things, this good news with what Jesus did for us, what should we do now? So, ibato nato. A few things. Firstly, for all of us who are believers, you're a Christian. Whether bagong Christiano, you've just been one to one yesterday, or you've been a Christian for the past 10, 20 years. What should we do? Firstly, stand firm and hold fast to the gospel. Paul tells the Corinthian church, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive and in which what? In which you stand. The Corinthian church, despite all their flaws, problems, division, sexual immorality, they were standing with the gospel. In fact, they were holding fast to the gospel. In verse 2, it says there, Paul told them to hold fast to the word that I preach to you. And the same thing with us as believers. Whether bago palangka, you consider yourself a baby Christian palangko, or dugina kashano, stand firm and hold fast to the gospel. There are many things in this world that will try to take away or to steal the gospel from us. If you remember, there's a parable Jesus told his disciples. The kingdom of God is like this. No? Parang the gospel was, is like a seed sown in different soils. In some of the soils, when the seed is sown, birds would come in and take those seeds away. And I pray that as believers, we will not let that seed, that gospel, be taken away from us. Stand from the gospel. Hold fast. Kupta permi ang gospel. When you have something precious, important to you, diba? Kupta nimo. Diba? Kung withdraw ka sa ATM, diba? Kung bato nimo, tago ka tayo. Kupta nimo. The same thing. Hold fast to the gospel. Secondly, for the believers as well, don't just keep the gospel to yourself. Yes, stand firm, hold fast, but also preach the gospel. Paul says, I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Paul told no, uh, he delivered to them what he what? What he received. Nainag preached to Paul about the gospel. He heard about it. Well, in Paul's case, no, he had an encounter with the risen Christ. But he also met with other disciples and they told him more about the gospel. And the same thing with us. If you're a believer, someone preached the gospel to you. Whether it's through a victory group for one-to-one or someone just walked up to you on the street one day, bro, kabla gospel. Kabla good news. Kabla what Jesus did for you. Whatever the means was. Or perhaps it was through television, radio, or a video. The point is, someone preached the gospel to you. And as believers, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel as well. In our Sunday services, you've been attending for the longest time. You've heard us say about this. We've mentioned this several times, many times. We've been commissioned by Jesus to preach the gospel. And as I mentioned earlier, in Romans 1.16, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Remember, this is good news. What you will tell the person is good news. Importante ni siya may bawan. 
And lastly, for the unbeliever, and if you consider yourself not a Christian, you've just been invited, join Here's what we can do. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 says, no, that Paul preached the gospel to the Corinthian church, and he says that they what? They received it. In other words, if this is your first time hearing of the gospel, you have a choice to receive or reject this gospel. You've heard about it. It's been preached to you. Now it's up to you to respond. And I hope and I pray that you would respond in acceptance, in receiving this gospel. The same way the Corinthian church received it when Paul preached it to them. The Bible says that for all those who received and believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. For all of us here today who are believers of Christ, guess what? You are God's children. You're part of God's quote-unquote family. And it's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then today, church, it's one thing I want us to understand. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and be assured of our eternity. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.